Hey, welcome back to the Grief and Wellness Podcast. Hosted by me, Stephanie Maloney Diaz, but you can call me Steffi since you came back. I am a mental health nurse and I'd like to describe myself as a baby loss and grief advocate. My baby girl died in March 2020. She was born still, but still born. Her name was Sophia. My motto since she has died is I will always smile for Sophia. And that came from my childhood of growing up and everyone would call me a smiley Steffi or they would ask me why I was always so smiley, which I couldn't really ever give an answer for. I just smile quite a lot um, naturally. When I lost Sophia, people said to me, how can you still find your smile during all of this? And to me, it was easy. I was in pain and I was sad that I had lost my daughter. But I still met and held my baby girl. And there was just so many amazing positive emotions in just being able to do that one small little thing. And that I outweighed all the negative emotions I felt. Being able to see her, to see the little girl that I created, to hold her, to smell her, to see the little precious baby who I had these big dreams of, you know, teaching her how to grow up and watch, showing her all of my favorite Disney movies and, you know, doing girly things with. The time I spent carrying her, she was my first child. So we have so many beautiful memories in that pregnancy. So much to be grateful for, just having her. My question to people who would ask me how I could find my smile during that time was because of her. Why would I not smile? I smile because I have so much love to give for my baby girl. Um, And it's the same for my rainbow baby boy. I smile all the time because of them. I have so much to be grateful for just because they exist. On my own journey after loss, I've learned there's a lot of misunderstandings around grief um, and around baby loss. But my hope is to normalize grief in general, to spread awareness of baby loss in particular. Um, I also aim to break some of the stigma surrounding grief in relation to our mental health. Um, My background is mental health nursing and that has helped me massively um, in my own journey. So I hope that I can be able to encourage people to do similar to what I did to maintain their well-being when they're going through a hard time in life. And if no one listens to these podcasts, then that's absolutely okay because at least I'll have these videos to reflect and remind myself of how far I've come in my journey. So yeah, today's video, I will be discussing grief and mental health from my own personal point of view. So I'm going to talk a bit about Sophia's, um, my journey of losing Sophia first. I suppose that's probably the best way to, to start this. So in March, 2020, I was working as a mental health nurse with adolescents. It was quite a busy place and we were quite busy around that time. And of course, 
March was also the beginning of COVID-19 in Ireland. The Friday before I lost Sophia, I sat with my manager and we spoke about the virus, how we didn't know what the virus meant yet for pregnant women. Um, We just knew it wasn't good for me to be at work. So I had made the plan that I would go out, I would go to my GPs and I would come out of work early. But sadly, uh, the Monday came around after that Friday and I brought myself into hospital with reduced movements. Um, So Sophia had become unwell, um, is how the doctor explained it to me. Um, She was becoming anemic um, and they had to do a procedure in order to get her better. But unfortunately, she didn't make it to that procedure. Um, and while her heart beat on the ultrasound initially, later I would watch it be still. Which is a memory and heartbreak that I will never forget. The support I had despite COVID-19 was absolutely amazing. My family really rallied together for me and Dan. And my friends supported me, some in person and most from afar. Um, but Sophia was born on the 26th of March, 2020, and we brought her home to Mayo on the 27th of March, 2020. So I had just given birth and the following morning, they, the nurses came in with the consultant and they asked us our burial plans. Um, and we told them we wanted to bury her in Mayo and that we were going to open a family plot and that's where we wanted to go. So despite me only giving birth, not even 24 hours before that, um, I, we went off with Sophia. Um, and I remember it's quite funny that one of the nurses gave us a letter and this letter was basically stating that we had permission to take our baby, our dead baby with us on in the car to, to Mayo to be buried. Um, and I remember looking at the nurse like, why do I need a letter to, to say this? And she was like, because your baby's dead. So the police could see you as taking a, a dead body away. And like, you know, just questions around that. So I always just thought, you know, a dark comedy movie that might have something like that in it. But yeah, didn't feel real is, is my point. So yeah, on the 27th of March then, uh, mine and Dan's best friends came over and they got to see Sophia and hold Sophia and got pictures with Sophia um, and we were beyond grateful because as they were visiting the government announced the first lockdown so they were the only friends of ours that were able to meet Sophia and hold her and see her Um baby loss is such an isolating loss there was still so much stigma and as a mental health nurse who has done a lot of work in mental health around stigma um, and social inclusion, um, I was just completely shocked. I wasn't expecting it to be as bad as it was. I never ever realized how much stigma existed for a bereaved parent until I became one, which I suppose is the saying, isn't it? You don't know until you're in it. So I would speak about Sophia and a lot of the time I would be told, oh, 
maybe you should go and speak to a counselor. And this drove me mad. Let's be honest, it still drives me mad. I have nothing against counselors. In fact, part of my work as a mental health nurse is to do psychotherapeutic interventions, which is talk therapies, CBT work, mindfulness work. I mean, that that's basically similar to what a counselor does, you know. So I have nothing against counselors, but it was the fact that I just wanted someone to listen. I wasn't saying anything about, you know, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I was just mentioning my daughter's name. And people would say, oh, maybe you should speak to a counsellor. As a mental health nurse, I would provide psychotherapeutic interventions, which is very similar to what a counsellor does. And I was just shocked that people didn't get the message that when I spoke about Sophia, I wanted to be heard. I wanted her existence to be acknowledged. And that was it. I just wanted people to listen. Not to fix me. Not to tell me to go speak to a counsellor. But just to listen and as a mental health nurse I was just gobsmacked that people just didn't know that simple simple thing but yeah since Susan Sophia I got myself a, a, a diploma in bereavement counseling and I've done that because I used to do grief work as a mental health nurse and I really didn't have a clue like I'm being honest I have absolutely I was clueless I had experienced grief, but not to the extent that I experienced when I lost Sophia. So I was just like, wow, how eye-opening it was. Um, And I just felt I should do a bereavement counselling course. I think every mental health professional should look at doing one um, to get a better insight into it. And if you have life experience, then you're going to help people way more, is my personal opinion. But yeah, speaking about my daughter has never been an issue for me, um, but it seemed to be an issue for most people that I try talking to. Um, I'd end up giving people lectures in the early days as to why it was important to let me talk about her, how she existed, how I don't move on, I move forward. Before I lost Sophia, I was actually doing grief work with a young person. And I remember being like, this girl is depressed. She has all of the symptoms of depression. And like, I know depression comes with with grief. But I was like, this girl, like, she's just very depressed. So I went to the consultant. And I remember the consultant saying to me, yes, but she's grieving. She's not actually depressed. It is part of grief and man do I really understand that now like absolutely grief does affect our mental health research says after one year if your depression from your grief is debilitating then you should proceed into looking to get a depression diagnosis um I get maybe people didn't feel comfortable with me talking so openly about my daughter and they probably still don't um but she is my daughter that can't be changed I shouldn't need to pay someone just to be allowed to talk openly about her that was my opinion and it still is my opinion the reason why I haven't seek went to um, a counsellor is because 
I personally will talk regardless of whether people want to listen or not. Um, I've also been very good at maintaining my mental health through my blogging, through my own journaling, through my poetry. I have a lot of ways I've looked after myself. Um, and I'm not scared to talk about Sophia or making people uncomfortable. It has to be done, unfortunately. And my hope is one day people will not be so uncomfortable when talking about babies and they will start recognizing that the baby as part of family. The reality is I just wanted people to celebrate her. Everyone was so focused on the fact that she had died that people forgot the fact that I gave birth to her. I wanted that to be celebrated. I got well done my entire pregnancy until the moment I got, sorry, there's no heartbeat. Like, I grew her. We have months, months of memories with her. We have the excitement, the happiness. Then we gave birth to her. And it was the most, I mean, like, the most unreal experience I've ever had. And it was the dream delivery. Like, if I had the same delivery with my rainbow baby, I would have been absolutely delighted. But my rainbow baby's delivery was nothing like Sophia's in, in that sense. It's funny because it's like I had this amazing delivery with Sophia, but she was born still. And then I had this horrendous delivery um, experience with my rainbow baby, but he was allowed to stay alive. And that's, it's like, you know, you take the good with the bad and you get through it. But yeah, looking back, in a way, it was like people tried to put up a wall of stigma um, and I said, hell no. And I knocked that wall down because my daughter deserves to be respected and remembered. And that's how I would always see it. Speaking about a deceased loved one is one of the most honorable ways to remember them. So I made people listen because I really, really feel sometimes we do need to be uncomfortable to one day be comfortable. You know, I was blunt probably unfriendly but god i was so isolated and with covid19 the isolation i mean it just baffled me my inner mental health nurse had red flags going off everywhere it's okay not to be okay i remember laughing seeing people share that because so many people post it on social media but in reality they don't always care and that's okay we all have lives to live, but if you're going to share mental health stuff online and pretend to be an empath who cares, you need to live up to that. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of mental health, guys, please, please, if you take anything from this episode, take this. Experiencing ne negative emotions like feeling sad, angry, jealous, anxious are all normal. We have to experience good and bad emotions. It's actually what makes your mental health normal and healthy. Now, of course, there is depression, anxiety disorders, and other mood disorders that exist. But just because you experience negative emotions does not mean that they have an immediate negative impact on your mental health. Quite frankly, they are a part of mental well-being. 
And if you only experience positive emotions, I would be very worried and I would probably wonder if, if you're having a manic episode. That's me being honest. But people so often mix up the term mental health and mental illness. Um, everyone has mental health. Negative and positive emotions are part of our mental health, part of our mental well-being. Uh, some of us will absolutely go through mental illness, but let's not be negative towards those negative emotions because they're perfectly normal. Embrace those bad boys because let me tell you, trying to force yourself to be positive all the time is so beyond toxic. And if someone is talking about their real feelings and they cry or you sense there's anger, then don't try to fix it. Just listen to them. Validate those emotions that they're feeling. Just listen. Validation stops the isolation. It's just so, so important. For me, I was very lucky in a sense that I'm quite self-aware and I have my background in mental health nursing, which has probably helped me have that awareness of my emotions, my feelings, my thoughts, and being able to break all that down um, and be kind to myself through, through those experiences. Because when you experience negative emotions, of course, it's going to cause your thoughts to be negative, your reactions become negative. That, that's how the cycle works. And if you have an awareness of that and you can stay kind to yourself and reframe those negative thoughts to positive thoughts, reframe them back to being positive feelings and positive emotions. That's what I did. And that, that's what I continue to do when I have those experiences. But yeah, I've done a lot of CBT work with my patients in the past. And I utilized a lot of CBT work I had learned through college and through my experience as a nurse um, and I worked on myself because I knew I was in a vulnerable state after losing my daughter I had never ever felt that way before and um, it was the lowest of lows that I had ever felt in my life um, and I knew I had to take control here and I had to put in the work to keep my well-being good and healthy So I did grief work on myself and I explored every thought, every emotion. And as less and less people let me talk about Sophia, this one, this point is really important. As most people spoke less about Sophia, I learned how to self-validate. I stopped seeking people to talk about her with me. Instead, I would just talk. They could be quiet. They could talk back. But all the time I would self-validate and I would tell myself, you're doing the right thing by talking about your baby. This is for your mental well-being. You're okay. And that, that's what I did. And I think that's a big, big message I want to get across to people is we often seek external validation. External validation. I would recommend learning self-validation. It is very empowering and it is what got me through you know the first year everyone will listen and after that people get tired of hearing your story um oh get tired of hearing you speak about you know oh I miss my daughter they just see all the negative emotions instead of seeing you as a person and your experiences and the fact that your experiences matter
So my journey after loss has brought a huge amount of knowledge, um, not just for me, but my friends and family have said it to me too. Um, I always joke when I get messages saying I'm wise because Sophia means wisdom. So in a way, she's really owned up to her name because she's taught me a whole lot. Um, I, of course, had my experience as a mental health nurse that, that helped me and is hopefully helping others as I share my experience. Um, but I learned, I just, yeah, I learned a whole lot after I lost her. I have shared my inner thoughts on my blog, smilingforsofia.com. And I have fought the stigma that was thrown my way every time I spoke about my daughter. As a result, so many people have a different understanding of what baby loss is actually like and what bereaved parents really need. There are still moments of silence when I talk about Sophia at times. There are still people who don't feel comfortable or know what to say or do. And I aim to just help improve this so that other bereaved parents going through baby loss can feel less isolated and can feel like they can share their experience openly. Because baby loss is hard enough. Our child died. We don't need social isolation on top of that. We need community support. We need people to listen, to understand, to try be in our shoes, to recognize our baby and say their names, to include them in our family, when you're writing cards, you could even write something like, we're remembering Sophia on the special day. You know, there's ways of including our babies and helping us navigate this life that we have to live without our child. So yeah, I kind of feel like I spoke, I like I talked myself up a lot on this podcast. Um, and it's funny because I look back, I can look back now, three years later, and I remember so many people telling me I was strong and how strong I was, but I felt like I was just surviving. I was just doing my best to get through. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, like, how did I do that? How did I do that? Um, and I know there's a lot of parents who will listen to that part and they'll they'll agree they'll say yeah like I no matter how many years you're in your your journey of life after loss you will probably look back and you will think how did I do that I was strong but I didn't feel that at that time I felt like I was surviving and you were surviving that's the reality but you're strong just didn't know it Other people have messaged me after my blog and they have said to me things like, um, how have you found the courage to stand up to people? Um, to shut down the myths of baby loss that has created such a stigma. And I guess my background in mental health nursing helped me because I would have done a lot of social inclusion things around breaking stigma around mental health issues and getting people to openly talk about those experiences. And then obviously I went through baby loss and I was like, oh my God, this is more stigmatized than mental health. Like, it's crazy. I just, my brain is just like, how? Like, 
I needed to do something. Um, and I suppose doing this podcast is a way of trying to spread awareness and hopefully start breaking that barrier of of um, the stigma that surrounds baby loss. I can also look back at my own family. There's women who have lost before me in my family and I feel I have broken the generational trauma of baby loss. There has been women who lost their babies, where there was miscarriage or stillborn in my family. And they didn't really get to talk about their babies. So in that way, I have broken my family's generational trauma is how I see it, which it's quite empowering thing to do. The way I did it was I just said no. People would say, at least you can have more babies. And I would say, no, I just had a baby. I need you to say to me, you've had a baby, Stephanie. She was beautiful. And that one day you'll give her a sibling. I would have taken that, absolutely. But by telling me at least you'll have more babies is basically telling me that Sophia did not matter. And that hurts more than anything. So please stop saying that to parents. Um, a few points. You don't get on with it. You do not move on. You never forget. You learn to live again. You move forward at whatever pace you need. And that little child, that little dream that you lost still lives on with you. That memory doesn't fade and neither does all the wonderful feelings that that little one brought. That's what you hold on to. That's what you celebrate and that's what you love. We, I always say it, I always say it since finding the quote. You let go of loss, but never of love. And that's what society, we want society to do. We want society to let go of our loss, to stop seeing our child as death only and to start seeing it as all these beautiful dreams, these beautiful experiences that they brought to us during our pregnancies. The fact that they were born and we held them and we had those that short time to see our child that child is our child and they need to be celebrated and that's what i hope people will will start to do in the future i'm going to finish this episode and um, leaving you with three things that i've learned these past three years after losing my daughter so number one the people who were there for us during that time are our truest friends honestly one of a kind and that support we will never, never forget. I can promise you that. Number two, the world will keep moving regardless of your loss. And with that comes the, this opinion that time has moved on and so must you. But let's be real. That opinion is just an opinion. It is not a fact. Time is a completely separate thing. It will always move on regardless of how much we want it to slow down or stop. Because that's life, right? So with that, I remind you that when you just want time to freeze, remind yourself that you move forward, not on. You are learning to live again. Your priorities and personality has likely changed. Be present for that moment self-validate and do not let time dictate your grief 
there is no timeline in grief. And thirdly, my number three, there is a stigma around grief. People aren't allowed to speak without others thinking they're struggling, when actually they're just grieving and will do so for the rest of their lives. People's mental health suffers and people end up diagnosed with delayed grief reactions because of the lack of support in normalizing very normal emotions and allowing non-judgmental spaces to openly talk about their loved one. That's where I kind of do recommend counselors because they they provide that safe space and that is important. Um, so I would never put counselors down. I'm just sharing my experiences of why I personally felt I didn't need to speak to a counselor in that moment when people were pushing me to. Um, I take part in a lot of Felicon workshops um, and I find them to be extremely beneficial. Um, I found my community and they have truly helped me. Love is stronger than grief and talking is part of loving and remembering them. This is Steffi. You already know I'm always smiling. You've listened to this first episode. Then thank you so much for sticking around. I really hope I didn't waffle too much. It's something I'll be working on um, as I do talk quite a lot and I'm aware of that. That's part of why I also wanted to do a podcast because I can never get enough of what I have in my head out on my blog or out on my social media for my Smiles for Sophia page. My next episode will be out next week and it will be based on the anxiety that we feel that comes with loss. Um, But please, If you're interested in sharing your journey and want to be a guest on the Grief and Well Nurse podcast, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thank you again for taking the time to listen and take care.